0: This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch now in the iTunes App Store.
1: Live from a pool of water in Gale Crater on Mars, it's Doctor Who Podshock. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 276, with your hosts from New York City, Louis Trapani.
2: Hello. And
1: across the pond, Dave A.C. Cooper. Hi, everyone. And originally from the Antipodes and now in Florida, Ian Bissett. Hello. And I am Taras
0: Hey Charas.
1: Hey, good evening, all.
0: Good to have you Hi, back.
1: You it's great to be back.
0: And if you hear me twice, it's just uh, double your pleasure, double your fun. It's uh, it, it, there's a little echo that may seep into the podcast, so um, I do apologize for that if you're hearing it.
1: That's not an echo. That's just you from the future.
0: That's yes. It's a time trying ripple. Trying to
1: correct all the mistakes.
0: It's a I'm time was... ripple.
3: Are you have, are you telling us you have you're having seepage?
0: <laughs> <laughs> call it what you like time seepage <laughs>
1: all right we're 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 pressed for time so i guess we should uh move forward then
0: yes so uh well we want to give a shout out to curiosity out on mars it's uh part of the where we, you know the theme of where we we're coming from so uh congratulations to uh to those that made it possible
3: and you'll have to shout very loudly. It's a long way away.
0: Yeah, it's a 50-minute delay for them, for right. Curiosity it's, it's, to Curious.
3: But, but just think about it. It's it's quicker than the delay from, from the Olympics. Yeah, I know.
0: As
2: opposed to NBC's <laughs> oh, six-hour delay.
0: <laughs>
3: six hours from London to the States.
2: Yeah, would you believe it? New Zealand, they beat in Australia. Would you believe it?
3: I, I'd believe it. It's not. It's not surprising. <laughs> all
0: right well we're not going to get into all that here no we're not all right well we do have a bevy of news to cover so i guess we'll dive into the news section of uh, oh you know what I, <laughs> I just remembered i forgot to add the typewriter sound all right well i'll add that in post <laughs> You know, I, uh, well, I'm not going to get into it on the podcast, but my setup has changed a little bit for this episode because of some changes and software incompatibilities and stuff like that that hopefully will be ironed out sooner rather than later. But um, so, and anyway, so we're a little incapacitated today, but we're going forward.
1: I thought we were unprofessional because of my appearance.
0: No, 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 no! You
1: blame it, you guys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, you, you bring us to another I'm the level. The new guy.
3: I'm the new, new guy. <laughs> <laughs> Is there an echo? What? <laughs> <laughs> News! Type, type, News. Type, 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 <laughs> type. See, that's my typing monkey person. Yeah, it's lousy. Oh my! <laughs>
0: All right.
1: <laughs> okay, so I guess the first item we have up is some casting news for the Christmas special.
0: Yes, Richard E. Grant, if you haven't heard yet, has been cast along with Tom Ward in uh, the 2012, this year's Christmas special, which is going to be coming out. Du- din- din- din. You guessed it, Christmas. So uh,
1: <laughs> so finally, the original Ninth Doctor gets to appear in Doctor Who on television.
0: Yes, this is going to be... Uh, Though uh, it won't be his first live-action um, performance connected to Doctor Who, but it will be the um, first canonized, I guess, appearance on Doctor Who.
2: And if there are some listeners not quite sure, I mean, I'm sure they know who Richard E. Grant is, but if they're not aware of Tom Ward, uh, UK actors uh, being known most recently for being in about eight to ten series of Silent Witness.
1: And he also appeared with uh, former Dr. Paul McGann in With Nail and I.
0: Yes, classic comedy, um, cult favorite movie, yes. which
3: And
1: I'm, a lot of people will remember him from The Curse of a Fatal Death.
3: Didn't somebody kind of famous, like, write that?
0: Stephen Moffat.
3: Quite possibly.
0: No, kind of a but it was a comic relief was sketch. He
1: quite handsome tenth Doctor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, yes. Well, you had um, what's his face was doing the, was playing the Doctor originally um a- Atkins um Rowan Ro- 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 Atkins, Atkins yes
1: says. who was featured of course in the Olympics uh, opening ceremony. Yes,
0: was he? And that's not all. I heard there was some tardis sounds in the opening ceremonies.
2: Yep. You had the the very short, brief section of the, the TARDIS uh, uh, landing sounds. Then we're going to have a longer section. They we're going to have a big Monty Python section as well. And then we're going to go and show all 11 faces of uh, the different incarnations of the one Doctor.
1: So but, we've um, jumped a track from mm-hmm. uh, the... Uh, Casting in the well, Christmas special. unintentionally.
0: Yeah, we, 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 welcome to Doctor Uppasha. <laughs> I was just. Well, that.
1: We also have well, uh, Tom Ward, who's going to be in the Christmas special as well.
0: Yeah, uh, Dave was just saying that he was uh well known for uh, uh, what's that series that he's in? It's called <laughs> S-
2: Silent Witness.
0: So he's he's. Uh, I have never seen him, so I'm not really
2: familiar with him, but. Um, he did a, some sort of H.G. Wells special, which I don't know if oh, I've seen that. Oh, that was fabulous, that. Uh, the, the young H.G. Wells and the, the mysterious adventures or something of H.G. Wells. If you ever catch that, it is brilliant.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if I've seen it or not, but I might have. It's, it was about, I don't know, about 10 or so years ago, 12 years ago, something like that. I don't know. Well, uh, we had... We had covered Scream of the Shocker, which uh, Richard E. Grant played, the Ninth Doctor. We did it in Doctor Who Pachak 267. So if you want to go back and listen to our review, we talk about his portrayal of the Doctor. And I think Graham Sheridan was on the show with us, and he's a big fan of Scream of the Shocker and um, and what uh, Richard E. Grant brought to the role. And I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for what he did. And there's a lot of parallels in that story too um, which was written by Paul Carnell um, there's a lot of parallels to that to uh, to what was going to come in 2005 with the return of Doctor Who to television with uh, Rose so um, interesting bit I mean obviously once uh, the, the TV series returned in 2005 and Christopher Eccleston was starring as the Doctor he was the ninth Doctor so he sur- he's, you know, superseded Richard E. Grant as the Ninth Doctor, but for a short while there, he was the official BBC-sanctioned Ninth Doctor. So it's, um, you know, the first time we have sort of a returning, an official actor that played a doctor, doctor returning to the series in another role.
2: Yeah, uh, it was called, um, the, the one that Tom Ward was in was called The Infinite Worlds of H.G. Wells. Yes, okay. Cool.
1: And I guess the Christmas special is probably filming this week, or at least starting filming this week. So that should be uh, good news yep. for everybody who's anticipating the new series and the Christmas special.
0: Which we also know is, um, this is uh, the story that introduces Jenna Louise Coleman's character, uh, you know, as the new companion I had heard something that there was a rumor about a speculation, I guess, about her name, but there hasn't been anything official, has there, about the character, her character's name?
1: Uh, There is uh, something in the uh, in the article about the uh, special beginning production that mentions the the first name of the character.
0: Okay, so that what that came from an official release because I haven't really. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, all right.
1: That's why I'm not reading the name. out.
0: Okay, now. good enough.
1: That's why I haven't been following the uh, the uh, official releases too closely. So, should we move on to our next topic?
0: Do we have a next topic? Well, yes, we do. Uh,
1: Christopher and
0: Speaking Who of past might doctors, be might
1: be. <laughs> and what might be he doing?
0: Well, he is uh in talks to uh to take on the role in the Thor sequel. This is Thor, the Dark World. This is uh, I didn't see the, the the Thor came out last year 2011. I haven't seen it. So um but he's going to be playing It's on Netflix. He he's going to be playing a villain um um what is it? Malekith. Mal- 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 Malekith the accused.
2: accused.
0: Uh, cursed. <laughs> cursed, cursed,
1: Oh. <laughs> all right. I guess if you're a cursed, you might be accused of
0: something. You might be. <laughs> I I don't follow Thor. I I've never read the comic book. I, not that I have anything against it. I just I haven't. I just haven't been exposed to it. So um, I'm I'm not really familiar with all the the ins and outs of Thor. So he's going to be playing a, a villain in that. And I guess that will be on deck for the next. You know, probably come out and if. If this was 2011. I, I'm assuming the sequel would be probably in a couple of years.
2: A funny thing to me, though, is the fact that Christopher Eccleston only did the one season with Dot 2, and you always felt he was going on, you know, he was a serious actor. But when you think about it, uh, you know, he's been in Thor, he's been in G.I. Joe, been in Heroes. He's actually been quite a lot of science fiction. Not that I'm saying that science fiction is second rate acting, but one had the feeling that. He was going to distance himself from from that having portrayed the dot. Yeah.
1: Well, he was in the League of Gentlemen as well.
2: Well, I, I
0: guess he just doesn't want to stay in one thing too long, though, and, and be typecast. I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for him. But I don't. I don't know. But you know, maybe that's the uh, thing. Well,
3: back in 2011, he uh, he did say he did tell Graham Norton, um, "I'd never bathe in the same river twice." <laughs> Which is good for his neighbors. I mean, you know, they, they saw that once and now they know they don't have to see that again.
0: <laughs> well, that that goes to the point that uh, that Matt Smith apparently made recently saying that, that he would be open to return. That, that Christ, Matt Smith stated that Christopher Eccleston would be open, meaning willing to return to Doctor Who, not to rule it out. I mean, he he's didn't say that he was going to, but, he, you know, again, this is just a whole speculation should we
1: read the quote that uh you have it uh,
0: yeah if you have it read uh, it
1: chris will be all right well i mean who knows i'd love it i'd love him to come back i love his doctor i really do he was from manchester proper hard leather jacket he'd give my doctor a bit of a whooping wouldn't
2: he yes one day i shall come back
1: (laughs) (laughs) and i will
3: whoop My successors.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
4: dear.
3: Oh, my. (laughs) Also, I followed it up with, um, uh, I think as an event, if if, it did ever happen, I don't know how feasible it is to get David Tennant and Chris Reckleson back, uh, but it would be amazing. Yeah,
1: I I don't... I don't suspect Christopher Eccleston wants anything to do with
3: Doctor
0: Who. Well, that goes back to what he said about bathing the same river twice. Though, now David Tennant, I would see him being a fan of Doctor Who before coming on to play the role and all that. And he, he seems very open, you know, to that idea. I mean, I don't know about today, but at least when he left, he was.
3: And just a little bit of information. Thor The Dark World is scheduled to uh, hit theaters November 8th of 2013.
0: Okay, so uh, next year.
3: Yeah, so this is like <laughs> going. <laughs> yeah, it's a busy busy time for, for, for Marvel.
0: You know, I guess they have to strike it while the iron's hot or something like that.
3: -hmm. Or while the large hammer is
0: on. Well, that's, yeah, I was getting, I was alluding to that.
3: We've been in the comic book
1: racks. Let's move over to the magazine racks. What do you see there, Lewis?
0: Well, I saw, I thought I saw a Doctor Who magazine, but it was actually Entertainment Weekly, and Doctor Who made the cover of Entertainment Weekly in the U.S. So it's uh, further evidence of Doctor Who going mainstream in the U.S. This is a, uh, you know, a mainstream U.S. entertainment magazine, which uh, you know normally doesn't cover, um, well, hasn't yet, you know, covered Doctor Who up until now. Yeah, you know, or at least on the cover. So I think that was a. Uh,
1: now, now, is that the mainstreaming, or is it just the cult just becoming so
2: much bigger?
0: I don't know. I think it's. I think it's sort of mainstreaming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's money, isn't it? If if it makes the cover, it means that. It must have reached that critical mass of, uh, you know, they're not going to do it and and have their sales down by, you know, 50,000 copies, so.
1: It's all because bow ties are cool. Ah. That's why he's on the cover.
0: Well... A couple episodes ago, I made a point of – and I pointed everyone to the photos that I took of the Long Island Railroad. There were posters from BBC America that were making Doctor Who references, and that's something that uh, I would never – I thought I would, you know, see, you know, in the general public, you know, Doctor Who, you know, you know, posters, you know, unless Doctor Who came out as a movie or something like that. It's just, well,
1: we did have uh, posters we had the bus, the buses. on the buses in yeah, New York City, that's true. so yes. that, that's uh –
0: Good point. Yeah. Well, speaking of BBC America, because they, um, it was their posters. They're now having specials that of Doctor Who. they every is it every Saturday night? They they have a new special.
1: I believe that's how it is every saturday
0: night they just had the science of doctor who which struck a chord with me because <laughs> i didn't think there was any science left in doctor who but <laughs>
3: they're skeptical said so that should be interesting in a, sh- in a very short show <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh my <laughs> oh my yeah. is there an echo back is that an echo back again
0: <laughs> that echoes back
3: <laughs> the echo's back
0: yeah, so uh, so I haven't had a chance to see it, but it's on iTunes. It's available. Uh, you can download it there. I I haven't checked, but I'm assuming it's also yeah, v- now, how many on Amazon. Specials? I don't know. That was my next question. I know it
1: was three or four.
2: Oh, that, that they're
1: having the new ones. I lost track.
2: I know I'm, Darth was trying to calculate when new dot two might be coming because of. Um,
0: well I'm assuming yeah, the, the specials are leading up to it. Isn't yeah, it isn't exactly. it like gonna be the end of August? Like isn't um like around August twenty fifth or something like that, people are saying.
2: Yeah. I think it was something like that.
0: Well as always, time will tell. <laughs> as we always said in Doctor Who time will tell. Always. So in uh, speaking of time, in between the time of our last podcast and this one, there's been a new trailer, a new promo trailer that the BBC and BBC America released simultaneously, which kind of surprised me because usually, you know, there's a gap between them. And uh, so this was the, the latest trailer promo for the upcoming series, uh, the upcoming first half of the series, that is, for uh, for Autumn 2012. And I, we have to assume that you've seen it or should we – sound the cloister bells (laughs) or is it going to be spoilers i mean i don't know i mean a lot of this stuff in this is uh stuff that was uh already known or that we you know for the most part right
1: well there's some stuff that was known but uh it does uh kind of reinforce the news that came out of comic-con Okay. Well, as far as the episode titles that they've released,
0: well, we so saw
1: we, had, uh, we a saw bit in, more flesh on the bones of that.
0: In the original trailer that came out before this, we did see you know an eye nice stalk of a Dalek. We knew that they were going to be coming back in some shape and form, and Stephen Moffat had said that they would be back, and they would be um, you would you would see many different types of Daleks. So um, that you know was stuff that was out there already. You know, so but this trailer just reconfirms that because we do see the Daleks and we, we don't see the Skittles Daleks, but we see all different types of previous Daleks. We do see um, and, and, and again, I don't think this is a spoiler because, again, you know, it was, you know, Stephen Moffat said that um, Alex Kingston was going to be back in some form or another in, in you know, in the next series. So, uh, you know, we do see a glimpse of her in in this trailer.
1: Did we also see a baby weeping angel as well,
2: or I,
3: like a small
2: statue, like a cherub? To
3: recall mm, yes. weeping cherub, blowing blowing out with a uh, the match or candle.
0: Don't sneeze. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Don't even sneeze. Don't
0: even cough. Oh, sorry, Don't, burp. No, I'm like... <laughs> Don't burp. Don't <laughs> burp.
1: <laughs> Don't breathe. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, well, we knew, th- again, that the Weeping Angels were going to be back in, in a story as well. We reported about them shooting on location in New York City uh, back in April. We knew that it was going to be an angel story. Um, so, you know, a- again, I don't think the trailer, you know, it just reinforced stuff that we already knew. And, and as as Tara said, stuff that was coming out of New- um, San Diego Comic-Con, which was uh, last month. So... Um, But it's exciting. It's all exciting. It's, uh, you know, it's been a while since we last had new Doctor Who. Someone had tweeted me saying, you know, if I was missing it. But, you know, the great thing about Doctor Who is that, you know, now that we're pushing 50 years, we have 50 years worth of material to go back to and and watch and enjoy. And um, so as much as, um, you know, we may be hungry for new Doctor Who, there's such a wealth of stuff out there. And there's all these audio adventures and other stuff that, um, most people probably haven't heard or or digested, and or probably old episodes that people have most people haven't you know seen or heard or whatever. So there's just so much. Uh, and else. of course, the,
2: the DVDs are coming out quick, uh, thick and fast now as well, aren't they? Because they, they, they they've got this schedule that um, by the time the actual anniversary comes round, all the existing episodes will have have made it onto DVD. I think so, unless they
1: uh, find some new ones.
2: Well, uh, hopefully, yes. But <laughs> what I'm trying to say is when I go to my supermarket where, you know, once every five or six weeks you might see that there's one Doctor Who DVD, uh, now usually you know, there's, there's, there's two or three, um, you know, actually still in the charts, as it were. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, getting back to the trailer, I think mm. what we have more of in this trailer is scenes from the first two episodes as compared to the earlier trailer that they had for the first half of this series, mm. or what now they're calling Series 7A, I guess, in some outlets.
0: Yeah, because well, if, yeah. if you break it up into the like the two halves or whatever. Um, yeah, the, the that, first trailer that was mostly uh, that, that Western motif, that first trailer that we saw, uh, I guess it was a couple of months ago.
2: Right. And now yeah. this we see a little bit more. Yes. But definitely only stuff prior to the Christmas special. So, yeah. what, five, five episodes at the most? Yeah. Well, a lot of it still is I, I in the works. I didn't
1: recognize anything as being specifically from uh, the fourth episode, the one by Chris Chibnall, but uh, I wasn't really paying that close attention to separating what things may be from other than the
3: the obvious scenes. Mm-hmm. Right, well, well, like the one where he says, <laughs> "Dinosaurs on a spaceship." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really, really hate it as a title for an episode, but I love the way Matt says it:
2: <laughs> "Dinosaurs on a spaceship."
3: I think well, they took that
0: from "Snakes on a Plane"
3: because of the way he says it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a, a nod to it, "Snakes on a Plane." Probably
1: had a different working
3: title, I would assume. Yeah, I always thought it was a, a, a reference to you know snakes on a plane, but who knows? Maybe maybe dress is right. Maybe they're like, man, that's a great line. Like,
0: oh, we will use that. Well, um, yeah, so, speaking of a wealth of Doctor Who material out there, just to, if we could just skip ahead, we'll come back. But just if we can skip ahead to this part of the news is that the big finish has had their license extended, so uh, that means more to big 2015,
1: finish. Twenty fifteen, if I'm not mistaken.
0: So that's great. That means more. Audio adventures to come, uh, you know, with uh, past doctors. Now they, unless their license has changed, their license always stands up. You know, they they can cover materials up to the eighth doctor, but not beyond. So, um, you know, I don't expect David Tennant to be coming on it. You know, at least not. Well, playing. there
1: are, there are limits to what they could take from the movie because the movie itself has complicated rights issues, but. Uh... Like but they can example, do... They,
0: obviously, they've done a lots of Eighth Doctor stories, but... but right, yeah.
1: but uh, they can't use the companions from that story because uh, the rights are more complicated there. Okay. Where the BBC retained the rights to the character of the Doctor, the other rights were shared.
0: So Grace Holloway, that's oh. why we don't see Grace yes. Holloway. Daphne Ashbrook Daphne hasn't
2: Ashbrook, hasn't. yeah. Friend of P- Podshock. Friend of Pouchok.
0: Say that ten times fast. <laughs> so yeah, good news so there. And-
1: 2015 is going to be the 16th year of uh, Doctor Who audio from Big Finish, which will also include their 200th main range play. That's exciting. I think they're up to the 160s now, mm-hmm. and they they keep expanding with new ranges. Uh, I believe uh, this month saw the uh, release of Countermeasures, which is based on uh, the... uh, Was it Remembrance of the Daleks, the last Dalek story of the classic
2: series? It began with an R. (laughs) Don't they all?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure somebody will correct us uh, if we're wrong. That uh, features some of the uh, peripheral characters from that story as a... uh, a group investigating stuff. So that that should be quite interesting. I have that in my queue of things to listen on my vacation.
0: Very good. Speaking of mainstreaming of Doctor Who, further mainstreaming even more so, there's a Doctor Who Monopoly 50th edition? A
1: 50th anniversary edition of uh, Doctor Who Monopoly. So I guess there was a Doctor Who Monopoly, but now we're getting a 50th anniversary edition of it.
0: Now, is this going to be just in the U.K., or are they releasing this in the U.S. as well?
1: Uh, The article says that the limited edition set is expected to retail from the 28th of August and can be pre-ordered from online stores such as Forbidden Planet.
0: So it may be a U.K. release. Monopoly
1: goes all over the place, so it'll probably reach wherever you could find Monopoly. All
0: right. Well, our listeners, you go to Toys R Us and report back to us and see if you can find it.
3: Yes. I I mean, as much as I like Doctor Who, at the end of the day, it's still Monopoly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, in in that case, Ian, maybe you'll like uh, Dave's favorite news item which is the the Who Girls 2013 calendar.
0: That's one way to pass the time while you're waiting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say the only reason he doesn't like the Monopoly is uh, that he's got a son who's at the age now where he beats him at Monopoly. True. That is true.
1: So the, the Who Girls calendar is going to feature... Fully endorsed images of Annika Wills, Deborah Watling, Katie Manning, Sarah Sutton, Nicola Bryant, and uh, the late Mary Tam. Now, where is the Who Boys calendar? That's what uh, some of
3: uh, our January's, listeners are probably going to pine yeah, for. January's John Berriman. Um, February's John Barrowman. Uh, March is. John Berriman.
0: So uh, you're saying John Berriman just extends throughout the whole year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's not touching he, that. As he would say, your ratings have just gone up. <laughs> <laughs> as he would ratings say, Ratings yes. have extended. <laughs> <laughs> now, are it these photos... The the calendar, yeah, I was going to say, it says fully endorsed images, so... We're assuming that, that, although they... I'm hoping that they will have at least two images of each, you know, a contemporary one as they look now, uh, because quite a few of them still look uh, uh, ravishing. You know, I mean, uh, Annika Wills still looks gorgeous. Well, uh, all
1: photographs have been fully endorsed and approved by the actresses featured.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so they're not photographs from the series. These are new photographs is what I'm getting at.
2: Well, they might be now and then photos, mightn't they? Could be. Yeah, the... Uh phantom
1: film site which is the the company that is publishing this doesn't seem to mention uh anything uh that will uh give us any uh indication of the types of these stellar images but uh it does have the tagline of 12 months of glamour in time and space so if that gives anybody a clue
0: well, they should have done 13. They're 13, uh, 13 lives. Never mind. Well, we don't know. That's extended. They, that's well, not our calendar
1: that can... doesn't have 13 months. If no? we had a lunar calendar, it may.
0: Yeah, see, the Gallifrey calendar is 13 months. So that's... Uh...
1: <laughs> Speaking of Gallifrey, we have uh, new guests announced for the Gallifrey One convention coming up uh, next February. So the I'm... headlining... Guest in that batch is Sir Derek Jacoby. Wow. That's a huge coup, I think. And of course, we've got uh, Francis Barber, Bruno Langley, Fraser Hines, and everybody's favorites, Neve McIntosh and Katrin Stewart. Yes. In addition to a bunch of uh, other guests that were announced. Yes. So, what do you guys think of that lineup?
0: It's so good to have Patrick Stewart back on, on the convention circuit. Oh, Katrin Stewart. Never mind. Katrin Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Uh, just make it so. can't
3: take him anywhere, seriously. <laughs> you just can't.
0: <laughs>
1: now I know why these episodes run over.
0: Yes, exactly. That's why <laughs> so they should be run <laughs> over. <laughs>
2: oh, my. Oh, no, it's absolutely brilliant. Get so, little, so Je-
1: I'm going to jump a little ahead here, and there's some sad news that uh, actor Jeffrey Hughes has passed away. Uh, some of you may remo- remember him from uh, as uh, Mister Popplewick in the Ultimate Foe from the Trial of a Time Lord season. Yeah. So that's and, sad uh, news.
3: Many people will know him from, um, well, uh, over in the UK. Uh, from Carnation Street, he uh, who's only there for quite a long time, and uh, so Eddie uh,
2: Yates.
3: Yeah. Yes, he played Eddie Yates, um, and also, of course, uh, in Keeping Up Appearances as uh,
5: Hyacinth's brother.
0: Mm. Well, we're going to um, get to it a little later. We have some uh, some feedback uh, pertaining to it, but obviously, since the last episode, you know, we would be remiss to say that uh, we you know we lost Mary Tam, who was the original Romana. And that was a devastating, another devastating shock to the Doctor Who community and one that took us all by surprise. And uh, and once again, I had to, uh, you know, add the news as a postscript to the recorded episode, you know, where I had to do that, um, you know, uh, just prior a couple of episodes before with um, with Caroline John. So uh, let's hope. I don't have to do that with this episode. It's just you know this is just that's just too much. So um, again, it's a devastating loss for any time we lose anyone, but especially when it's a main character like a a doctor or a companion.
2: So um, my should, goodness we, me, I mean we'll have to have pod coming out with a health warning now. <laughs> Somebody may die when you listen to this. Well, <laughs> we can't take the blame for that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I really shouldn't have said anything in our recorded show. Yes, once again, I'm breaking in with news of another passing. This one directly relates to Mary Tam. After we recorded the last episode, news broke that Mary Tam's husband, uh, her, well, her surviving husband at the time, uh, Marcus Ringrose, had passed away shortly after delivering a eulogy to Mary, for Mary Tam. He had passed away... Um, Due to a heart attack at home, he was, uh, according to, uh, Barry Langford, um, I believe which is the agent, which is, a uh, Mary Tam's agent, if I'm, if I'm correct with that, uh, mentioned that he was replying to well wishes on his computer when he collapsed. So, uh, very sad and tragic that, um, I mean, obviously, we, um, we suffered the loss of Mary Tam, and now her husband, Marcus Ringrose, has, um, has passed away shortly after delivering the eulogy for Mary Tam, her, her, you know, her deceased wife. So, sad news there. All right, well, let's get back to Doctor Who Pachak and I really, really hope that I don't have to do this again. Sad news, yes.
1: So, is there anything else that we want to cover
3: in the news?
0: Well, oh, just, he's strict, isn't he? He's strict. <laughs> oh, he,
3: keeps it, he runs a tight <laughs> ship, he does. Well we, we do, we,
0: well, we do have to move along, but we do want to give a shout-out. We mentioned it out. I don't know if it was the last episode or the, one of the previous Dr. Podchak episodes. I think it might have been the last one. Uh, we had spoke about the Sonic screwdriver remote control that was coming out. That It was, all, like, it was similar to a Nintendo control a Wii, uh, remote where it's, it's motion-based and whatever. Well, it's they're having, a, um, I guess, a demonstration and an unveiling, an official... Um,
1: I guess they're calling it uh, a number of Doctor Who fun days that uh, Forbidden Planet is going to have to celebrate the release of this uh, fun toy. Now, this is or Forbidden
0: Planet in the UK. It
1: to, just, yes. Because
0: there's also Forbidden Planet in New York. that I just wanted to make sure that we don't have listeners going to the wrong place.
1: So there, it looks like they're going to have a series of... Uh, Events First one starting on the 25th of August that are going to allow you to, I guess, purchase some uh, items before it's available in the shops. And they're going to have live demonstrations and even a dress up competition. So, David, I want to see you dressing up to to go pick (laughs) up your uh, sonic screwdriver remote.
2: This is a Forbidden Planet not too far from where my daughter lives in the northern quarter of Manchester, but people will be really going for the free jelly babies and jammy dodgers.
1: Or to have their photo taken with a life-size TARDIS.
2: There you go. Gosh, mm-hmm. can't they find no one in northern England who has built one?
1: So I guess <laughs> j- I'll just quickly... Why
2: call Lou when you need him?
1: I'll quickly go through some of the locations that they have. There's the one in London, and then there's going to be Bristol, Birmingham, Cambridge, Coventry, Liverpool, Newcastle, and Southampton.
2: Very good. Yeah. They look beautiful, by the way, from that photograph. They, they definitely look... Um, apparently, the business.
1: apparently the way they work is you make gestures with them instead of yeah. pressing buttons or something. So that yeah. that should be quite interesting.
0: You got to poke someone's eye out with that. <laughs>
1: Get off my lawn. <laughs>
3: uh, if I might quickly add, before we close out the news, um, on a personal note, uh, the long awaited sequel to, um, Doctor Who Baby is finally here. Yes. Uh, about a week or two ago, I uh, put up a new video on my, on my YouTube. Uh, it goes by the name of Dalek Toddler. Uh, my uh, almost two-year-old son, Callum, uh, discovered a Dalek on the, uh, on his brother's backpack and is now obsessed with them. So we did a little bit of a video. Um, if you go onto YouTube and, and type in Dalek toddler, you'll see it. Um, so, yeah, it's very funny. He just he – just, uh, and I didn't have anything to do with it. I'll have to say my wife, who wasn't much of a Doctor Who fan before we got married, was the one who sat there and said, started pointing it to a saying Dalek Dalek <laughs> now whenever no he sees them Dalek
0: <laughs>
3: so yes anyway that's my news
0: so, alright cool well we'll have to check it out
1: our news segment
0: all right. Well, I think that's going to round out our news. We have a um, well, uh, we'll have a interview, a classic interview with Mary Tam speaking about Mary Tam coming up in, after we come back from our break, and we also have um, a couple guests that be familiar to Doctor Who Pachak listeners. We have um, Anthony Burge and Jessica Burke, who will be talking about their new book, the Mythological Adventures or um, Dimensions. Dimensions. I said this. I had this. I did this fluff once before. <laughs> Of uh, Neil Gaiman. That's the only
3: problem about podcasts um, over the internet is we can't hold up cue cards for him.
0: <laughs> as much as they try. Well, we could,
3: but he wouldn't read
0: them anyway. No, true. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll be back with more Doctor Who, Podchock. So don't go anywhere. Where are you going to go? It's a podcast.
6: Six-
5: is matt smith and you're listening to doctor who pod shock
2: i'm on the same show as matt smith <laughs> <laughs> we were speaking earlier
0: about the wealth of material that's available during these times where there's no new doctor who episodes coming out um, well soon they'll be here but Uh, during this time when uh, you may be looking for something new or different, something you may not have seen or heard. Well, one source of new material for you, even though it might be older material, but it might be new for you, and, and there's lots of rigi- original material there as well, is Audible. Now, Audible, as you know, if you're a regular, if you're a regular listener to Dr. Hupachok, is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 100,000 titles to choose from in every genre, be it thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and of course, science fiction. Audible titles play on the iphone kindle android and more than 500 devices for listening anytime anywhere and for you listeners of dr who Pachak, audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service and see what you think of it and if you decide well it's not for you you still keep your free audiobook to download your free audiobook, well, simply go to Audibletrial.com slash podchalk. Again, that's Audibletrial.com slash podchalk for your free audiobook. And as always, we like to make a recommendation or a referral of what you might choose for your free download, though you could choose whatever you like. It doesn't even have to be a Doctor Who title, though we're gonna pick a Doctor Who title for this one. And, you know, with everyone watching the Olympics on television, even though I think the Summer Olympics have um, have ceased to be or come to a close or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think is. But with everyone still wa- – well, well, with everyone had been watching the Olympics, and I know this from Twitter because people are tweeting about it, uh, there was um, – you know, and also being that this is a big election year once again in the U.S., and if you were to combine those two things into one story – in Doctor Who, you might come up with a story called Vengeance on Varrows. Now, this is a Colin Baker Sixth Doctor story. It was a televised story, but it's an audio book as well, with Colin Baker, the Sixth Doctor himself, narrating it. So it's uh it's written by Phil Mart Philip Martin, and it's um this could be your free audio book. Again, this is um Vengeance on Varos, which um. Let's play a little clip from it and you'll know what I'm talking about.
7: The random laser emitter spat a searing beam at the young man chained to a wall deep within the punishment dome of the planet Varos. Desperately twisting in the chains, Jondar succeeded in evading the laser beam, but the heat of its passing caused a howl of anguish to be torn from lips parched by the tension of his long ordeal. In the ceiling near the wall, a television camera beamed every detail of his suffering into the home cells of the viewers, for whom the ruling officer class of Varos termed this entertainment and instruction. In the media dome, a young technician, Bax, whose job it was to select the most dramatic pictures to broadcast, had a hunch that John Darr's luck at dodging the laser could not last much longer. The home cell of Etta and her husband, Arak was the standard size for two Vorosians without children. It had a bedroom just large enough to contain a two-tiered bunk and a living room with a plasti table and two metal chairs that faced a viewing screen, which occupied the entire area of one wall. Before this screen sat Etta, closely observing the pictures transmitted from the punishment dome. Etta glanced up as Arak entered, home after a long shift at the mining corpse. The image of Jondar filled the screen and dominated the room. Oh, well, not him again. Yeah, he's still alive. Just. Anything to eat. Etta, absorbed in the quick cutting of camera angles, jabbed a finger in the general direction of the food locker. Arak sighed, trying to remember a time when his wife would serve food to him. I'll get it myself then. Arak angrily contemplated a small can without a label. Is this all there is? His wife shrugged. It's the shortages. Maybe the governor will explain. There's to be a vote-in tonight. I'll keep it to chuck at the screen when your beloved governor comes on, begging my vote. Attacking Comtech property can bring loss of viewing rights. The way you're thinking, Arak, you'll soon be in that one's place. Etta nodded towards the image of Jondar on the screen. Suddenly, the wall screen became blank. From the speaker, the gloomy national anthem of Varos began. Arag yawned. Oh, I'm tired. I think I'll go to my bunk. You can't do that, Etta said as she reached under her chair to remove two voting transmitter units, one marked yes and the other no. We've got to vote.
0: Now, if you've seen the television episode, this will give you may, perhaps new insight on it. Again, it's, um, you know... <laughs> Not exactly the Olympics they're watching, but it's, um, it is it um, is televised entertainment that they're watching, and um, they are voting on it. So, again, just um, <laughs> combining the Olympics with the election of 2012. So uh, this could be yours or any selection that you like that's available through audible.com, which you can uh, choose from. So, once again, to get your free audiobook. Go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And if you didn't get that URL, perhaps you're driving or maybe you're, um, you know, riding a unicycle or, <laughs> you know, I, I tried that <laughs> just recently. Uh, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, but that's not what I'm talking about so uh, oh so if you didn't get the URL go to our website podchock.net and you'll see the offer on the sidebar there um, also on the show notes of this episode so once again you can get your free audiobook from audible um, audibletrial slash <laughs> And welcome back to Doctor Who Podchalk. And unfortunately, we had suffered another huge loss in the Doctor Who community with the recent passing of Mary Tam, who played Romana, the first Romana in Doctor Who in um, in the uh, Key to Time series in 1978. She played against Tom Baker's doctor. Well, she played with Tom Baker as the companion in that series and it's um it's a great loss that we you know we lost her at a rather uh young age and unexpectedly so um which has been happening more often than not in Doctor Who so and as i had mentioned in our breaking news segment last episode when we reported on her passing is that um i had mentioned that she was one of the first Doctor Who actors or actresses or any someone that was a um attached to the series itself that I had met in the early eighties. And um, so it, it, I don't know, you know, she's served as an introduction to the the cast and crew of Dr. Who at that time for me. So, um, you know, so she always has that special spot. Um, You know, you always remember your first doctor and, and um, and I guess you always remember your first um, actor or actress that you met from the series. So, um. Yeah, and uh, Mary Tam was that person, and uh, um. So, we had this interview from back in the 80s. Now, this this wasn't that time when I met her. This is actually um. This interview comes courtesy of Charles Rab and Rab Productions. This originally aired on WPEB Radio in Pennsylvania in the mid 80s, and we thank um um Chuck Rab for giving uh, granting permission to share this interview with you and our listeners. Uh, we were going to play this, actually. We were going to include this in Dr. Hupachak a few months ago. And there were other interviews that came in and uh, time allowances and we just held off. And um, little did we know what was in store for, for you know, for in, in terms of news about Mary Tam. Um, so now it's obviously appropriate that we play this. We go, you know, we play this interview. We're going to go back into the vault. Going back into the, our TARDIS, traveling back to, uh, to, again, to the mid-1980s for this interview. This is Mary Tam speaking of her role and, um, you know, why she stayed for a year. And uh, so, without any further ado, Mary Tam.
8: My name is Chuck Rabb. My co-host today is Barbara Shushak, the president of the Friends of the Doctors in the Philadelphia area. Friend of Doctor Who? That's correct. Friends of the Doctor, Doctor Who. Our guest today is Mary Tam, who played Romano One, one of the companions on Doctor Who. So she had a chance to ask the Doctor all the time, What do we do now, Doctor? Where do we go, Doctor? And run screaming from all types of rubber-masked creatures running down parlors, especially Daleks, I would imagine, Mary.
9: No, actually, I didn't get a chance to work with the Daleks, which is my eternal regret. I would have liked to have worked with the Daleks, or, in fact, the Cybermen, who I think are my favourites. But um, the sort of most frightening monsters I had to work with were um, a huge octopus, whose name I forget. Was it Krall? Krall. Krall. That's right. The power of Krall. And um, a sort of giant lizard called the Shrivenzale, which was in my very first appearance. So uh, that's the most exciting type of monster I encountered.
8: Mary Tam, in playing the Companion, you had a role of a Time Lord.
9: A Time Lady. A time. No, a time time lady was the exact title, I think, yes. How did you
8: feel about the role?
9: Well, to start with, actually, the role was presented to me in a very um, appealing package. I was told that she was going to be very, very intelligent, more intelligent than the Doctor, in fact. Um, And because she was a time lady, she had the same powers as the Doctor. She had the two hearts and the supernatural, or superhuman powers, I should say. And... um, Unfortunately, the the part eventually did deteriorate into the kind of girl you were describing at the beginning of the interview. What is it, Doctor? What are we doing now, Doctor? Because really, the format of the show is such that because it's only half an hour, you have to get a lot of information into that time and you can't have two people who are both doing their own thing because there's nobody to explain what's happening. So really, by dint of the actual presentation of the show, there has to be one person who's always asking the questions. So um, by the end of a year, I decided that um, I'd done enough questioning. (laughs) The part really wasn't going to go much further. So I very reluctantly had to leave. I did, in fact, um, tell them that I was going to leave after a year. And I didn't see any chance of the scripts improving in that area. So um, that was why I left after a year.
8: Before you did Doctor Who, you were Mm -hmm. somewhat noted, at least somewhat noted, as an
9: actress. Yes, I'd done a lot of work before Doctor Who. Um, I'd done quite a few movies, movies. I suppose the one most people will have heard of was The Odessa File with John Boyd. The first film I ever did was a movie called Witness Madness, which I think was shown in the States, but very briefly, in which I played Kim Novak's daughter. In fact, originally I was cast as Rita Hayworth's daughter, but she got very ill after the first week of shooting and Kim took over, and that was a wonderful experience. I'd done a lot of television, um, series, plays, a lot of theatre. Uh, yes, I'd done quite a lot of work before Doctor Who.
8: And during Doctor Who, did you find that the character made you um, a one-dimensional actress, or, um, or or did you continue your um, feeling of being a profound and brilliant actress?
9: Oh, thank you for those kind words. Um, I'm not sure. Well, it's not really for me to say. I think, I think it's really for the viewers to judge that. I think from an acting point of view, I did the most I could with the scripts available because the way they were written really were... Tending towards the one-dimensional, I won't say entirely so, because in actual fact, I think I I managed to get things out of the lines, which, you know, probably another actress might not have done. But it's a very difficult part to actually sustain because of the fact, I just explained to you, having to be the questioner and be the audience's point of view all the time. Um, I think really, after a year, I'd I'd felt that that was as, as much as I could do.
8: Matthew Waterhouse has been a guest on the show, and mm-hmm. when he was on, he said if he could only come up with 38 new ways to <laughs> ask why, he'd probably <laughs> s- still be on the show. <laughs> My guest co-host is Barbara Shushak from the uh, Friends of the Doctor of the Delaware Valley, the Doctor right. Who fan club. Barbara, why don't you take the mic and ask
10: some questions? Okay, Chuck. You were cast as a known actress. Prior mm-hmm. to you being cast, most of the companions that were cast were not known. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when you
9: actually got the role, then, as being the first one to be known? Well, I felt very excited about it because, as I said, the way that the part had been described to me uh, seemed to be a very interesting and very challenging role. And it was, to start with, I mean, the first couple of stories, I did feel that it was something that I enjoyed doing very much. It was different. I mean, it's not often that you get to play somebody who's from another planet, you know. I mean, it gives you a kind of limitless freedom. And um, I also felt a little bit apprehensive about joining a show which had been on the air for so long. But on the whole, I was very excited about getting the role. I felt very flattered because there had been a a great deal of competition for the part. I think they saw about 300 girls, and they finally screen-tested six. So I felt very flattered and honoured to be chosen. Very good.
10: When you do conventions in America, you've been away from this for seven years, Mm -hmm. and you have to come back and tax your memory a bit. What is it like for you to feel questions from fans that actually view over here?
9: Um, Well, it's interesting because, as you say, it it does tax the memory. I have to kind of uh, think back. Luckily, I have got a good memory. Unfortunately, my memory for detail isn't that perfect, so if somebody asks me a very specific question, I'm usually very honest and say, look, I'm sorry, I don't know, or I can't remember. But um, most of the questions I find tend to be the same ones over and over again so after my first convention which was quite frightening um I felt more able to cope with the the sort of queries that the fans threw at me.
10: Okay recently you toured with a play called Good Morning Bill which -hmm. was a PG Woodhouse. Mm -hmm. How did you like playing an American (laughs) novel?
9: Well I loved it actually because um the character was meant to be from Boston So I went to the British Sound Archives and I listened to a very long tape of Betty Davis, who is my favourite actress in the world. And the way she spoke was how I imagined that this particular doctor would speak, because it was set in the 30s. And I think the way people spoke then was a little bit more careful and less relaxed than they do now. So I spent a long time listening to Betty Davis, and then I went to see an American girlfriend who's from Boston and taped her for about two hours. I spent every day driving to rehearsals with the tape in my car, and um, I was very flattered because uh, one night somewhere in, in the south of England, southwest of England, an American couple came up to me and asked me which part of the states I was from. So I thought this is it; it really has worked. You know, all this hard work with working on the tapes is you know, borne fruit. But um, no, I loved playing the part because again, she was a very strong character, um, very witty. The play itself was very, very funny. So that was um, a good experience. I love doing theatre.
10: And then you went on to do the pantomime Cinderella. Yes, you played
9: Prince Charming. That's right. Yes. You oh. How did you well, like that? that's that's great because in England we have a tradition of pantomime where the, the woman is always the man rather, the the male lead is always played by a woman, and there's usually a character called the Dame who's played by a man, and it's a very very old theatrical tradition reaching back to the 16th or 17th century. So it's it's tremendous fun to do. I'd never done pantomime before, and I, again, I was a little apprehensive because it involved a lot of singing and dancing, and least of all, trying to pretend to be a man. That was the least of my problems. But it was, it was very, very nice, very good fun, and it was lovely working with Colin and Nicola Bryant, of course, who plays Cinderella, right. and Anthony Ainley. So it was like a, a Doctor Who reunion in a sense, and there were lots of other very, very nice people in the show, and it was a very happy experience for me. I enjoyed it immensely.
10: Has anyone ever mentioned why the tradition of a woman being cast in a male role and vice versa ever started?
9: Um, well, originally, all all parts in the theatre, when Shakespeare first started writing, were all played by men. I mean, it was just um, a male profession, a completely male-dominated profession. All the parts that Shakespeare wrote were originally played by men, which is probably why there aren't that many great female roles in Shakespeare, with, with one or two notable exceptions. But... Um, I think the, the pantomime tradition probably is a throwback or a leftover from those days. I'm not actually completely sure. I should have a ready answer at my fingertips here, but I'm afraid I'm not too sure about that one. Okay, you'll have, have to find out.
10: <laughs> I'd like to. I'm very curious Yes, it's yes, fascinating. Have you had any favorite roles that you
9: have done so far? Um, well, to be quite honest, I mean, I can I can honestly say that I enjoy every single part that I do. Whenever I'm offered a new part or a new role, it's the most exciting thing that's ever happened to me because I always approach all my work with great enthusiasm. I enjoy it immensely. And um, I would say that everything I've ever played, I've, I've liked very much. I can't actually think of one specific role. I suppose because of recent... You know, being recently in my mind, the two parts we have just been talking about, in fact, The American Doctor and Prince Charming, mm-hmm. I enjoyed most because, you know, they're the ones I can remember best. <laughs>
10: Are there any characters that you would like to portray in the future?
9: Um, yes, I'd, I'd like to get back more into the classical side of theatre again and play you know, some of the um, great classical roles in either Shakespeare or Greek tragedy or whatever. But um, in England, they tend to sort of be played by actresses who are well into their 40s, so I've got a bit of time before I can reach out for those parts, I think.
8: Let me uh, reintroduce our guest, Mary Tam who, among other things, has played a Doctor Who companion, Romano One, on the Doctor Who BBC television series. My co-host is Barb Shushak from Friends of the Doctor in the Delaware Valley Fan Club. Mary Tim, as you look toward the future, you certainly have the background to take whatever you'd like in uh, theatre, film, even Broadway. What would you like mm. to do?
9: What would I like to do?
8: Yes, what are you looking well, forward to?
9: Well, um, one of my great ambitions is to work in the States. But I don't know how this could come about, because there's um, a problem with, you know, equity and American equity. I think um, if anybody ever offered me a part in America, I would be absolutely ecstatic. It would be one of my greatest ambitions fulfilled. Otherwise, um, carrying on in England, I think um, I'd probably well, like you're, to do... You're
8: much too young to play Jr's mother.
9: So <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, shucks! <laughs> Couldn't they add a few wrinkles here and there? <laughs> Um, no, I think if at the moment I am considering two or three things in London, one of which is a Western comedy play. And um, apart from theatre, which is always my greatest love, I'd, I'd like to get back into a long-running TV series because during my time with Doctor Who, it was actually um, interesting to kind of find out the way one does relax into a part when you're in a studio every week because normally... If you do a a series or a small series or just a play on television, you have your rehearsal period and then you're in the studio, but it's over in three days, usually, the studio time. So you always look back and think, oh, I could have done that better or, you know, I could have played this scene differently. But if you're in a long-running series and you're establishing a character, you find that every time you go into the studio, you're a little bit more confident, a little bit more sure of what you're doing, and you start to enjoy it more. And, um... I think it's a very good exercise in acting to do a long series so i think that um that is another of my ambitions is to get into a very long-running tv series and establish a, an interesting character
8: mary tam in your background as my last question what in your background drove you to become an actress
9: well my mother's an opera singer or she was she's a, a white russian emigrate And she came to England um, after the war. She'd actually moved from Russia. She had to escape from the remnants of the revolution when she was a small baby. She can't remember it very well, but she went to live in Estonia, which is where she was brought up. And then she started singing there. And um, I remember in my childhood she she ended up giving singing lessons and um, doing the odd little recital here and there for the Russian community. And I think maybe that's what prompted me in a way, but... uh, she always wanted me to be a concert pianist. That was her great ambition. So I was um, taught to play the piano from a very early age. And in fact, I, I haven't played the piano for a long time. It's something I'd like to get back to. But I suppose there's that artistic bent, you know, somewhere in the family. It's a kind of creative urge. So that's the only explanation I can think of.
8: Robert Shushak, do you have any last questions? No. Oh, OK. Then we'll have to say a good night to Mary Tanner. Good night. Thank you. thank you very much for
9: joining us. <laughs> well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Now, I had
0: met Mary Tam once um well, I don't know if it was once or a few times again after that first time and um so uh I was hope but I but I hadn't really seen her since um since the 1980s. So, uh, I was hoping that I would have an opportunity to uh to catch her again. I know she was in um, she was uh, at Gallifrey one in I think 2006, which I wasn't there that year. So um, I, I believe that was the year she was there last, and um, or I know she was there at least on that year. So um, yeah, I was hoping to see her once, you know, well not once more, but again soon because it's been some time. So um, it's uh, it's very unfortunate. And it's even more unfortunate now, um, as you had heard in the breaking news segment in this episode, that uh, her husband has um, now passed away as well. Just hours after delivering the eulogy at her funeral, uh, he passed away from a heart attack. But once again, I want to thank um, Charles Rab and Rab Productions uh, for granting permission to use this interview and share it with you, our listeners, on Dr. Who pachak and now we go to a new interview that, um, that's not recorded, that we're doing right now in this episode of Doctor To You Okay, we're back with Doctor To You Well, actually, we, we never left Doctor To You Chuck, but maybe you're back with Doctor To You And joining us, the, the two people that are back with Doctor To You Podchock is Anthony Burge and Jessica Burke. Who are two of the three editors of the new book, *The Mythological Dimensions of Neil Gaiman*? Now, if that title sounds familiar, well, we we mentioned the book several times already on on the show in the past few episodes. But if you didn't hear that and the name, and the books and the title still sounds familiar, is because a couple years ago. Uh, these three fine people also came out with a book called "The Mythical Mythological Dimensions of Doctor Who." So uh, now th- there's um, this carry. This is, I guess, you know, more mythological dimensions. This time with Neil Gaiman. So welcome. Hello. Hi, hi. This is Anthony and Jesse. Are you there? Hi.
11: And, yes, I'm here, Jessica. Hey, Jessica. Hello.
3: <laughs> Just push him out of the way and take the microphone, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> just.
11: <laughs> Hello.
2: And of course, we're missing uh, Christine Larson. We mustn't forget uh, that young lady. Yes. Uh,
6: yeah, she's away at a conference this week, and uh, she gives her regards and uh, she hopes to talk to you guys soon.
0: So, if you're Neil, if you're if if you're at all a fan of Neil Gaiman and. Any Doctor Who fan who has seen uh, the last series will—I haven't heard anyone complain or give any dislike to um, the episode The Doctor's Wife, which Neil Gaiman penned. So um, you have to be somewhat familiar with Neil Gaiman. Now, that's that's actually my doorway into Neil Gaiman. I've known of Neil Gaiman, but I have to be honest, I haven't read his stuff. Not because— I dislike him or anything like that. I just haven't been exposed to him, so um, so I'm coming at this book from a very um, newbie, unfamiliar with the material type of thing. And I'm, maybe there are many other Doctor Who fans, such as myself, that enjoyed the Doctor's Wife and and but aren't familiar with the rest of Neil Gaiman's work that might be interested in learning more about his writing and maybe this book will be a good doorway or a stepping stone uh, to learn more about Neil Gaiman and, and, and what you can find w- what you can um unearth and from his um from his writings right yeah <laughs> okay Absolutely.
11: Uh, that, that's our hope um that it's it's for people who are familiar with his work or exactly what you said it's a doorway for people to get a little more acquainted or want to read more of his work?
0: Now he's hugely popular. I don't mean to paint a picture that he's some sort of obscure writer that no one heard so no one heard of. He's he's enormously popular, especially among science fiction fans, but uh, I think also among among the general public. Uh, he, he's um, um, very, he's active on Twitter. There was a just tonight, coincidental, just tonight. I don't know if you watched Jeopardy tonight, but one of the Jeopardy questions was um, was a Neil Gaiman uh, question. They uh, they they did a quote. Oh. Um, from you know they, they they a line I guess I don't know from what book or whatever but the the contestants had to guess what the next word was in that. Oh, cool.
11: Um,
6: He's everywhere from the ether to your television. I,
11: yeah. I remember uh, a few years ago that I had heard. Um, I honestly I can't remember what American author said it. I, for some reason I think it's Stephen King, but I'm not really sure. Um, and referred to Neil Gaiman as the most um, well-known unknown author that he is you know very very popular uh, especially with you know with his fan base and and uh, obviously um but a lot of people know something that he did even though they may not necessarily be familiar with his his books because he's he's done everything from songs to poems to comics to movies to screenplays journalism to to he he started as a journalist he's done a lot in a lot of different genres a lot of different media one um, of
1: his early works was a guide to uh, the hitchhiker's guide series
6: yes which is awesome the, um, which i use as part of my for my the chapter i wrote as something i guess you'd call satirical like critical sa- satire if you so to speak which i absolutely that's how i got my introduction to neil gaiman is i read that first Mm-hmm. And he also
1: did a book on Duran Duran, if I recall correctly.
11: That was his first book, um, and he actually started as a journalist, and I believe he he, he did write on music.
6: Um, well, he wrote for a whole bunch of different magazines.
11: Well, yeah, he he, he wrote for magazines. That was his first book. Um, I mean, that,
6: that was, recently, excuse me, was the Duran
0: Duran book yeah. based on the the musical group or the character from the Barbarella <laughs> movie that the, that, that the group <laughs> got yeah, its name from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the musical group. Okay. We'll,
1: we'll leave that as a homework assignment for you, Lewis. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, you have been, you've been told by the teachers. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> and Jessica. Yeah. yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, uh, leave that machine alone, Louis.
1: When you were f- <laughs> formulating your ideas what what made you choose Neil Gaiman as the topic of this book?
11: Um, I think it was something that because I was I, I'm a big Neil Gaiman fan. I haven't been a, a a big fan for a long time. I've heard of him for a long time, but I only just uh, read some of his work in 2007, and I kind of. Uh, I guess you can say consumed a lot of it in a short period of time. We were talking about ideas for for future uh, books in this series, and and there hadn't been a lot written about Neil Gaiman at the time.
6: And we proposed several ideas, like uh, Tim Burton, Neil Gaiman, uh, Uh, Terry Pratchett, uh, Pratchett, and I forget uh, there may have been one other. But Torchwood. uh, Oh yeah, we were going to do a Torchwood Torchwood follow-up to the Doctor Who book and they wanted the publisher wanted to go with um, Neil Gaiman first and,
11: and within a very short period of time after we announced our call for papers we noticed we that for, for several other Neil Gaiman volumes were coming out so, so it, it was sort of, sort of um, the start of what I like to call Neil uh, Gaiman studies
1: so you guys pioneered the study
6: uh,
11: I wouldn't I'm, say I'm, I wouldn't say we pioneered because there were a few there was yeah, articles
6: there's, there's this articles and stuff. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so I, I, bold, I guess. Bold, bold yeah. yeah. Or, okay. Or, 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 or to say that, but if I, I have I, to look it up, but there there was another book I think it was focusing on gamins women that popped up around the same time. It could be coincidental. It could be timing. I don't know, but there was a couple books announced around the same time as ours but this,
11: you know, was, this one was one of the first, first collections of essays by different authors. authors I think there might have been another text on Gaiman's work but it was by one author and it was uh, I seem to remember it being almost a, a psychological study it was a strange collection um, but it wasn't by multiple people on different this aspects ends. of his work um, so this was one of the first, I, I would say.
2: Okay. Uh, the other thing I would notice and uh, and tell our listeners is that, um, if they were aware of the first book, this is quite a dramatically increased volume of work, isn't it? It's a much thicker book with uh, contributions from, uh, uh, many more, uh, people.
6: Well, yes, um, they, um... They wanted a larger book, and we wanted a larger book. We thought the first one did fairly decently enough to uh, warrant a larger book, and it, it welcomes more voices on the topic. So uh, it, it expanded. Uh, I think the last book of the Doctor Who volume was 10 essays, and this one's 15.
2: Fifteen, yeah.
6: So minus three from us, that's 12 You know, people outside of the editors that you have uh, we had a couple of returning um, authors like Matt Hills and Colin Harvey and Melody Green uh, returning. Matt Hills, as you know, may he has a couple of Doctor Who books out there. He's working on a new one, and uh, I forget the. I have it right on the shelf behind me, but I'm not going to grab it. Matt Hills wrote, was the only one that we accepted, because others were going to write it, but Matt Hills asked us first if he could incorporate Doctor Who into yep. his chapter, so his chapter deals with Doctor Who and uh, Neil Gaiman's do- the Doctor's wife.
2: Yeah, his is called "What Happened to the Time Lord: Mythology and Foundation" in Neil Gaiman's contribution to unfolding texts.
11: And um, also having a larger volume because we had so many more submissions. Um, not not to say that we didn't have a lot of submissions for the Doctor Who volume, but there was a huge increase. Possibly because Neil Gaiman
6: himself himself had posted on his blog and on Twitter
11: on his blog um, that about the call for papers, and you could look at his his journal and it's actually I find it funny because the the title of the where he he blurred it was um, I have mythological dimensions you can't see them but they're there hmm. and. Ah. It, and it was something that was really so cool. I, I, it, I wanted a T-shirt, but
1: yeah. <laughs> one, one, one thing that's interesting about uh, when Neil Gaiman tweets something, there's a phenomenon that occurs usually very soon thereafter called Neil Web Fail, where the website <laughs> that he usually tweets about has a failure because so many people are going yeah. and hitting it.
11: Yeah, we had within about 24 hours after he did that, we had, you know, uh, several thousand uh, hits on the site, and it it was just, it was amazing. So we got an awful lot of response uh, to the call for papers, a lot of interest in it.
0: Well, also among the writers is Matt Smith. Well, I should be clearer. (laughs) It's it's, uh, Matthew Dow Smith, who's a a uh, comic book writer and artist who you may be familiar with because he's done work for IDW's publishing's Doctor Who comic book series. So uh, another Doctor Who connection
2: there in a sense.
6: Yeah, I mean, very much so. Mm. Go
2: ahead, guys, I'm sorry. I would say that's a, a lovely foreword to the book as well. You get that, that's the citations on this book are are really great. You um, you know the people really got behind this publication uh, by. We've got to say it because I've got to pronounce the kitsune books. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, we had someone it's write to us
0: uh, saying that we're mispronouncing it all the time. It's actually a Japanese word, and I, I don't know. I Kitsun, forgot.
6: Kitsun.
2: You have to pronounce every vowel, yeah. Uh,
6: I'm assuming Then maybe I'm wrong, and I'm just we're laughing with wrong. you, Dave, yeah. not at you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, you'd be the only one that answers it all the time.
11: <laughs> true,
6: true. I do Yeah. It's... It,
3: occupational hazard
6: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Matthew was uh, very uh, eager and uh, interested when we approached him I think he had like a couple of bold words in his email reply to us yes 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 (laughs) Uh, something to that effect when he was asked to be involved in the Neil Gaming book Uh, I guess there's a lot of uh, as he sort of says in his forward a lot of you know he's a comic book artist and Neil Gaiman, you know there's big you know connections there
2: one of the things that uh, the book is available uh in more than just a uh, uh, holding your hand book isn't it uh
6: there isn't an ebook yet for it, and um uh, is the Doctor Who book will I like to have the speak to the contributors again and see if they want to update their chapters with the current series or you know this year or you know however we do it or the 50th and then invite more writers to do so I'll have an expanded volume
2: get it up to 15 again yeah like this yeah, one yeah
6: bring it up to 15 and ask the original uh contributors if they want to change their cur- those those chapters in any way to reflect the newer series so it brings it up to date, and we have fresh material to, to include in it.
0: We had the mythological mm-hmm. dimensions of Doctor Who, and now we have the mythological dimensions of Neil Gaiman. Will are we to expect another mythological dimensions of something else coming from from um, from you?
11: We we would really um, like to do one. We've been bouncing around some ideas. Um, we already had a thought of. Because there was so much new Doctor Who material with, with Matt Smith and, 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 um, and Moffat and everything, and that wasn't really touched in the Doctor Who volume, so it almost goes without saying that there'll be another volume of Doctor Who. Um, and some recent reviews on the Gaiman volume, um, one in, in, uh, in Mythprint, kind of already asked, so when is the next... Um, there's been kind of...
6: We had some loose talk about a Tortured one. Um, I don't know how fresh that information, how much out is out there, has been already examined about Tortured in the latest, um, that, you know, 10-part series that they had.
11: Mm-hmm. Um, we also thought about maybe doing a Tim Burton.
6: And also, Graham Sheridan, a second Doctor, suggested Terry Pratchett. Right. So we're, we're playing with all these ideas. Well, and, um... um
2: what about? Because I've been following your your things on your little holiday. I thought Edgar Allan Poe was on your radar.
6: Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe was on our radar, but there's there's so much done about him. Also, H.P. Lovecraft is one of our favorites, and um, there's also been a lot a lot of scholarship on him as well. And um, I'd like to try to keep, you know, a fresh perspective on things and try to find, you know since it's a mythological, dimensional idea, what hasn't been done? I don't want to be overly repetitive if there's a lot of stuff already been done on a particular subject. Also,
0: well, obviously, I, I the mytholog- mythological dimensions of Dave Cooper. There you go.
6: <laughs> <laughs> what does he have in his mind, exactly? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I
2: haven't got many years left.
11: I also... I also think that it's sort of... Um, it, I, and, and this is debatable, I'm sure. You know, uh, it, it, it is an academic book, but it's uh, dealing with a lot of pop culture and, and cross-genre uh, material that a lot of um, classically academic books don't do, um, or it's new. It, it, it's a new kind of, you know, more recent academic books, I would say, kind of try to do that, but we want to look at things that aren't, classically um it's kind of hard because you can't say that you know something like neil game and doctor who is not scholarly because you know if it wasn't then why would we be looking at it um but looking at things that haven't really been touched in this way looking at, at at uh elements in that are near and dear to a lot of fans that really haven't been discussed in in this fashion um but also as I, I recently commented to someone uh, fans are kind of the first scholars in their field you know and you um, just go to like a a hub meets in the Doctor Who community going to comic con things like that and when you talk to fans who are very passionate about um, their their community
6: fans the talk genre. academically yeah it's just breaking things down, looking at them, you know, taking it apart. So in some respects that's uh, I think book by fans for fans. But anyway, we don't know the topic just yet, but we're bouncing them around. and I certainly with the fiftieth coming up, I don't want to rush things, but I certainly like to expand and do more Doctor Who. Yeah. But um bum <laughs> No well
0: we're gonna be looking forward oh, look to
6: very forward to that. Absolutely, and what? now we're talking
1: over each other. Yes, well, <laughs> a little bit. And we have a couple. I guess that's better than the echo we had.
0: Yeah, Hello. that's hopefully that doesn't come back. We apologize for that. Hopefully, we'll have. Well, we definitely will have two Doctor Who potchok supporting subscribers uh, looking forward to copies. Of uh, this new book, which um, now that we we've been holding off for giving them out because um, we wanted to have you on our show and talk about the book and get people psyched up about the book ahead of time. So now that we've had you both and um, we discussed the book, we can uh, randomly select. What I use is a website called Random. dot org, which I can generates a random number, and we're gonna um, see who that is. Uh, right now, I I just. I was just there and I got number 54, so I'm going to find out. um, If you bear with me, I'll see if I can um, find out.
1: There are not numbers, (laughs) there are premium subscribers.
6: (laughs) I am
0: not a number! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that I I brought the conversation to a dead halt.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Uh, While we're waiting for Lewis to do that little thing. Completely off topic, if you, you don't mind me asking, what do you think of the recent announcement about the Hobbit film now uh-huh. being not a two-parter, but a three-parter? Uh-huh. Uh, we should just say, for listeners who don't know, uh, these guys are slightly into uh, Lord of the Rings, aren't you?
6: Say slightly? My mother read been... The Hobbit to me in
2: utero.
11: We We actually met... In uh, the Tolkien section of a Barnes and Noble. Oh no! Yes. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I'm yes. sorry.
0: I just found out. I just you don't. Oh, hold, oh, hold on! Oh no! Okay. Not my no. mistake. My mistake. I I thought wrong number. Hold on. I, I was going to tell. I, I thought we had a weird thing just happened here, but um, it's actually. The, Did it, my name... It, yes. <laughs> the, I, I'm like <laughs> it's Anthony. <Bird."> <laughs> <laughs> you
2: lucky guy, but. <laughs>
6: I only have a box of them sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> Just save on shipping and handling. Crazy! That's insane.
2: Hold on. Yes, hold Anthony is one. He's precious.
6: <laughs> <laughs> precious. <laughs> precious. <laughs> Um, yes, we are. We, we are uh, we're Tolkien fans. We. I was working at Barnes & Noble, and Jessie came in hooting and hollering with her friend saying how the whole bookstore got ransacked since these damn films came out. I was cursing <laughs> like and, a sailor. Um, she was cursing like a sailor, so I came around the desk, the thing, asked if I could help her, and, well, yeah, here we, we are. A, uh, long a long time later. long time later.
0: Okay, I uh, have a winner.
6: A <laughs> oh, <laughs> winner. Jessie. No.
0: It's... Uh, she- I should I announce it now? I didn't mean to interrupt your story though.
1: Do you want it's, to announce it on air? Let's well,
0: go for I'll, it. Well, I'll 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 just I'm, I'll just announce her first name then in case they want privacy. Um Elaine, well, I'll put a, a second initial K, all right? So, uh Elaine K um or is it Eileen. <laughs> I think it's Eileen. Oh. <laughs> Come on, Ali.
1: <laughs> so check your so, spam filter for an email from Lewis. Yes. with uh I guess information on uh well, how to uh
2: I'll get your,
0: get your
1: address. address and what? we'll it,
2: send you Does uh, Lewis keep pestering Elaine on her email, does he? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll be emailing you. So uh, congratulations That's and uh, uh we'll do another one you got
2: next. two copies.
0: Well, we'll do. Oh, we'll spend, we'll spread it out this way. We we'll spread the love. So we'll next show. We'll do. An, we'll we'll do another. We'll do another one next show. So um, so yeah, and um, and just so you know, the the the, uh, the numbers they're not. Yeah, th-
1: we we should have appended the the rules that the editors are not eligible to. Yeah, to win well, it, uh, that kind of goes
0: out without the saying. Yeah, uh,
6: they may support us, <laughs> but they're not eligible.
0: Yeah. Well, of course, um, I, I was reading. Never mind, but I. It, It would have been really weird. (laughs) I saw it and I'm like, no, that can't be. (laughs)
6: That's hysterical. But just to answer uh, Dave's question real quick about the the third Hobbit film, we kind of digressed with Gollum speak. um, That, yeah, I heard and read, but uh, we're not trying to stay too on top of the filming news like we did for the Lord of the Rings films because we ended up very disappointed.
11: I'm not. I'm certainly not going to say I'm. I'm looking forward to it. I'll see it when I see it, because
6: there's they, certainly enough material for two more films after the initial Hobbit proper. So, if yeah. they draw on true Tolkien, fine. If they pull it out of their uh,
11: it, it's Nether fiction.
6: regions, then
11: it's <laughs> fan fiction, and that's fine. If it was called Peter Jackson's The Hobbit, then I'd be all for it. So. But we can go on. That's a that's a that's a horse of another color.
6: Yes, and uh...
11: <laughs> so mm-hmm.
6: But Tolkien is introduced in the first chapter of our book, though. Yes.
11: Yes. Yes. Yes.
6: Sorry. I was <laughs> <laughs> a little confused. <laughs> well, I was. Pre- Digressing back to the book. Yes, I
11: know you it. would, and then I realized. And...
1: Dave, see what you've done. You've thrown a monkey wrench into the program.
2: <laughs> no, no, it, it was Ian, it, it Ian Schmeagel, or what he's called.
6: <laughs>
7: <laughs> Schmeagel. Uh,
11: <laughs> it It's not Anthony's fault that I'm a Tolkien fan, because I actually used to call my cat Precious. Uh, as, 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 but a as, lot as, of
1: people do. So,
11: no, in like solemn feet. That's the way I used to speak to her when I was like twelve. <laughs>
6: <laughs> so. so, do you? Oh, um, so when the first
1: movie came out?
11: Oh God, yes. <laughs> yeah, I grew up on on that one, and actually was kind of frightened of it from time to time. With the Ralph Yeah, with their noses. Oh yes, yes. Their noses were really it's like freaky. Some
6: psychedelic LSD trip.
11: It was,
6: but I'm going to go off completely off topic. Well, maybe on topic. What do you guys know about this thing going around that Neil Gaiman's going to write an episode for the coming a series coming up that redefines the Cybermen?
3: I was going to ask you guys about that because I was looking quickly online to see if I could find anything about that and. <laughs> not see anything
0: well they the suburban so definitely needs some redefining from um,
11: <laughs>
0: yeah well, well if I, I already discussed that at
1: all then I am all for it but I haven't heard anything about that
11: yeah we have, you had told me about it today
6: well a couple two days ago I saw it as like somebody posted on Twitter and then there was some story somewhere that I didn't think was entirely reliable so I didn't know if uh, somebody else may have heard something more official.
3: It was brought up in Cultiman well, in the same kind of vein. No real kind of backing to the story somebody just heard, you know. You
11: <laughs> could always tweet Neil and see if he answered. Oh, I did already, trust oh, me. He did.
6: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't think Neil would be Tough able to sauce. answer that question.
6: <laughs> no, he probably wouldn't, but I tried anyway. Well, you never know. And Stephen Moffat. Did they get back to me? Hell no.
0: And again, we're just talking speculation here, so it's not really spoilers, so... <laughs>
3: Un- Unless it isn't correct, in which case,
11: sorry!
6: <laughs> Oops. Well, it's well, pertinent. I think it would
11: be interesting for him to yeah. come back uh, to do... You know, I, I really enjoyed the storyline that he did, and he has a really interesting perspective well, and is a huge Doctor Who geek, so... Well, we don't. I we, think it would be cool.
0: We, we know he
1: is well, returning, right? If some more mythological dimensions to the Cybermen, then you guys would have to expand that well, novel. There's
0: that your next book, title as well.
1: The Mythological yeah, Dimensions know, of
2: Cybermen. Yeah. I did my duty. I did my duty. <laughs> I
1: did my duty. <laughs> For Queen and Country.
0: <laughs> All right, well, we have, um, if you guys are welcome to stay if you like, but we, we do have to um, do some feedback if you want to stay.
6: Sure. Yeah, we Sure, might.
3: we've had Echo. We might as well have feedback. Sound geek
2: There you
3: go.
2: Real Basil Brush, that. <laughs> boom, boom.
3: Sorry. There you go. The mythical, mythological <laughs> dimensions of, <laughs> of Basil Brush. I'd buy that book. <laughs>
0: All right, we'll be right back with It's
3: the Jessica going.
0: All of us will return, you know, card <laughs> <God> willing. your <laughs> or, or, or DD willing if you have one. Um with um we'll talk to willing and 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 feedback. <laughs> More breaking news while we were editing this episode of Dr. Hugh Kodjok. BBC America has announced a U.S. premiere event taking place in New York City once again. They've done this twice before in 2010 and 2011, and they're doing it again. It's taking place on August 25th in New York City. The exact venue has yet to be announced. Tickets are 11 cents in honor of the 11th Doctor, though there's a dollar surcharge, so it's a dollar and details on how to order tickets and all that will be coming tomorrow as I record this, but as you listen to this, it may be today or it may have been yesterday. Check their site BBC America or net for further details. It will have, in addition to the screening of the first episode of the new series, 2012 series of Doctor Who, which was which is Asylum of the Daleks, is the episode title. In addition to that, immediately following that will be a live Q and A with once again uh, series stars Matt Smith and Karen Gillan, and this time joined with executive producer Caroline Skinner. So, once more, it's in New York City. The past events it was at the Village East Cinema, so uh, they didn't announce a venue this time. So, uh, well, they haven't announced it as of this recording right now, but. Uh, hopefully, um, they will have further details tomorrow. And by the time I listen to it, as <laughs> I, say, oh, you know, the timey wimey thing. All right, well, um, so check it out if you're um in this area. Once again, you'll have a chance to check out the premiere. And also, uh, I I just don't know what kind of. I'm assuming that they are doing the the tickets this time to trying to um ease crowd controls. You know because um. It was uh mobbed the last couple of years and um I didn't go to the East uh I didn't go to the Village East cinema event because uh the the, the first year, twenty ten, I was at the press conference and we got to see them there. And uh though we had um actually you know, who's on this podcast right now, we had Anthony Burge there covering it for us. Again, that's August twenty fifth, six PM, New York City. It's a Saturday. We also announced as BBC uh, in the UK announced that the series will begin on September 1st, which is, um, you know, the following week. So we can assume, though it hasn't been officially announced as of yet, that BBC America, if they follow the same day um, broadcast as BBC, you know, if they follow that pattern again, then uh, we should have it on BBC America on September 1st as well. So there you have it. Let's get back to Dr. You Pachak and feedback, your feedback. We always want to hear what you have to say. Okay, welcome back. We're here. um, Still with us is Anthony and Jessica, um, the two of the editors. um, That's Anthony Burge and Jessica Burke. Uh, the two of the three are the editors of the Mythological Dimensions of Neil Gaiman, and, and uh, uh, we're giving out copies of their fine book. So um, if you're a PodShock supporting subscriber, you are in the running for a copy. Uh, but we want to hear from you, our listeners of Dr. Podchok, and you can always send us feedback. And this is an audio podcast, so we do prefer audio feedback whenever possible. So uh, you can easily send it to us by calling the Pachak public call box at 206-984-3543. Or you can just uh, send your audio feedback to uh, feedback at pachuk.net. Uh Many smartphones today will have a memo, audio memo feature that you can just record something and you could just easily then email that recording to us, make it, uh, you know, clean and easy. We do ask if you keep the... Um, the audio recordings down to just you know two uh three or three minutes at most because we do tend to go on rather long on our shows so we don't have a lot of time to um and um, <laughs> so yeah so uh and you can also write to us the old fashioned way through via email as well again feedback at potchock dot net so first up in our feedback is uh, someone that's no stranger to the show, though I think this is his first audio feedback, and this is uh, Blue Box Bill.
5: Greetings and salutations, Pod Shock. At long last, my first audio feedback. Well, not exactly. You see, this is a synthesized voice, and a rather nice one if I do say so myself. But enough about me. I wanted to weigh in on your discussion about the poll, in the Radio Times, for the greatest Doctor Who monsters of all time. Rubbish. Complete, and utter, rubbish. That is to say, that the results are rubbish. But not your discussion. Lewis, Dave, and Ian, I concur with your observations about the poll. If we overlook inclusion of the Master and Davros, our list is reduced by two, and is now, down to eight. Dave correctly pointed out that one of the three new series monsters in the poll exists only in the shadows, a rather tough sell for makers of Doctor Who toys. A monster is usually considered an imaginary creature, it is typically large, ugly, and frightening, so, given their diminutive size in the new series, it's a good thing the Sun Torrens got a double dose of ugly. However, using the same criteria... It would seem that a single Vashta Neurata is no monster at all. Although I suppose you could sell the concept as a toy, on a more scientific level, perhaps by including a microscope, a magnifying glass, and dust particles mounted on child-safe microscope slides. See photo, for the Doctor Who, Vashta, Neurata viewers. I say let's blow the little buggers off the list, like a breeze. Just sneeze and you eradicate them. So, now we're down to 7. In no particular order, the list includes the Daleks, Cybermen, Zygons, Ice Warriors, Sun Torrens, Weeping Angels, and the Silence. Which 3 legitimate baddies do we add to round out this list of top 10 monsters? Some of my personal favorites include the Silurians, Sea Devils, Drashigs, The Destroyer. And, The Ud. I suppose what most impressed me about these five monsters is how well they were fleshed out, bearing in mind what was possible when each first appeared in Doctor Who. So there you have it. Keep up the good work producing the best Doctor Who podcast out there. Until next time. Happy travels, from Blue Box, Bill. And thank you.
9: Well... Hello there, sweetie. Make no mistake. I am not Rula Lenska. But you are most certainly listening to Doctor Who Podshop. Would you like my autograph or perhaps to have your picture taken with me?
0: Oh, thank you, Bill. I just had an idea for Colton.
3: <laughs> it's entertaining. I just had Did an idea for Colton, have... Dave. Don't bother showing but, off on but, Sunday. How you, you <laughs> Bill miss the uh, Ice
2: Warriors?
6: <laughs> Does he always record like that?
2: Well, this is his first audio feedback. <laughs> I'm just amazed uh, that uh, an artificial voice can pronounce the names better than that, Louis me. <laughs> 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 I'm not surprised. <laughs> not when it comes <laughs> to me. <laughs>
1: I was a little freaked <laughs> out. out. So, so is all our feedback that good?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe That's Ian's up, right. Maybe we good. should. Maybe we should synthesize ourselves and <laughs> put ourselves <laughs> out that way.
8: Yeah.
1: yeah. Wouldn't that mean writing a script?
0: Yeah. Oh, well,
1: screw
0: <laughs> <laughs> but where's that? So ga- they're you they're have they're that they're game good. inside, phone number. We can, you know, we'll tweet them. <laughs> <laughs>
11: Get that gaming guy to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want my voice to sound
2: like the, uh, you know, the atmo's. <laughs> yeah, That's right. Well, he lives in Porchester, Hampshire, New England, or wherever it is. Oh no, 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 that was England, not New England. <laughs> Old England. Close mistake.
6: How long have you been drinking?
2: <laughs> how long? <or> how much?
6: This <laughs> is it true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, dear. I've doing so well. I just got complimented on being right by Blue Box Bill. And Blue Box Bill, Blue Box Bill knows what he's talking about.
0: You can also see his writings on our website, Parchock.net. He's a um, a contributor to our website. So thank you for everything that you post there as well. I think he just did a review, if I'm not mistaken, of a Sarah Jane Smith um, series. So you can check that out on uh, Parchock.net. Well, moving along with feedback, we have another piece of feedback. This is John M from Canada, and he's uh, he gives us some feedback about San Diego, San Diego Comic Con, which was last month. And um, I, uh, well, let's hear from John. No sense me telling you what he says.
4: Oh, hi uh, guys. This is uh, John M, a longtime listener up from Canada. Uh, Just wanted to give you guys an update regarding the recent Comic-Con and the Doctor Who involvement. Uh, uh, This is the first time we ever managed to make it down there. My wife and I headed down with our four-month-old child and actually had her parents come down as kind of the the, uh, free babysitting service. And uh, it was a really neat time. We uh, managed to get tickets for Friday and Sunday. Friday, we actually even lined up at the BBC booth and managed to buy some uh, Doctor Who shirts and socks. And then uh, Sunday was kind of the big Doctor Who day. Uh, I lined up around 8 o'clock that morning, dressed up in my uh, Seventh Doctor costume, and uh, it was uh, quite the experience. Uh, <laughs> the panel wasn't on until 12.30. Huge line at uh, the convention center in San Diego at that time, and there were people who had lined up since 8 o'clock the night before. Um, the uh, uh, number of costumes were amazing as well. Uh, there was also a lineup just to, to uh, try to get an autograph from the, uh, the cast of The Doctor, uh, which was uh, pretty impressive as well. There was, uh, I remember watching a, a person dressed up as a weeping angel in the uh, classic uh, hands-over-her-eyes pose in that lineup as well. Uh, actually, after I uh, only had to wait two and a half hours to manage to get into the uh, panel, uh, there was definitely lots of room. It was in a huge room called Hall H, which fit about 6,000 or 6,500 people. Huge number of costumes there, uh, just an amazing number. Uh, and finally, at uh, just at uh, 12.30, uh, the, the panel started. Uh, with Matt Smith, Stephen Merchant, uh, Arthur Darville, Karen Gillian and uh Carolyn uh the uh, oh I get, suddenly am blanking out on the name of the producer. Um, they uh were very entertaining, obviously a lot of love between the uh between the actors. uh, uh Mr Moffat, just an amazing uh, uh Individual who's obviously a huge Doctor Who fan, who easily answered, you know, the number of times Atlantis had come up in the classic series. Um, great questions were asked from the audience, uh, including some amazing costumes uh, of uh, what appeared to be a fully functional Dalek, although I think tinfoil was uh, involved in some of the body armor. And uh, a really great costume of uh, the TARDIS and Idris as the, uh, as the TARDIS uh, uh, in <laughs> character as well, um, because the uh, there was such a lineup for the uh, for the um, for the actual session, we didn't get a chance to even come close for autograph. The uh, uh, session also had some really great cre- uh, really great questions about, you know, what is the actual secret and the doctor uh, and uh, uh, of the doctor and Stephen Moffat. Uh, uh, in his own way, said, "Oh, he knows." And then, uh, and then uh, Matt Smith, you know, jumps in, going, "And that's what I have to work with because he obviously is out of the loop as well." Um, the uh, uh, panel uh, ended up showing a season uh, re- uh, review for the last. Uh, scene from last season, and then showed two new clips coming up, one uh, very cute one of the Doctor coming in with Amy and Rory into a small western town, I believe the clip was called A Town Called Mercy, and then uh, the next clip that was amazing called uh, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship, which just shows, uh, you know, a typical Stephen Moffat adventure, the Doctor meeting up with some uh, amazing historical figures. Uh, and then managing to even meet up with uh, Rory and Amy and then uh, a setup for a premise that I think is going to be really neat. Uh, After that, uh, I ran off actually for a completely unrelated panel, but uh, managed to find out that there was a meet-up of all the the, uh, individuals dressed up as Doctor Who characters, so I managed to get onto that. And I think some of the pictures even ended up on BBC Tumblr. Uh, Just an amazing collection, there were tons of 9th, 10th and 11th Doctors lots of roses. Uh, One uh, uh, great uh, person had gone as Donna, who uh, even had the voice down. Uh, Another couple classic examples were the uh, clockwork monsters and some cat people as well. I managed to uh, stand in as well in my seventh costume, (laughs) you can see me. Unfortunately you can only see my hat, I I picked the wrong place to stand in the group photo. Uh, And some uh, good selection of classic doctors or second and fifth doctors as well. Uh, About four or five fourth doctors and one uh, excellent Sarah Jean Smith costume. Yeah, uh, it was really neat. Um, My wife is a recent convert and had a great time. She dressed up as Amy and really enjoyed herself as well. Uh, Just wanted to say again, really enjoy the show and looking forward to new episodes. Uh, uh, Keep up the good work. Bye.
2: Thank you, John. How do we know who that other person on the panel was then? Um, Anyone?
6: Well, I have never been to San Diego Comic Con, but I'm sure it's, it's. I heard it's a lot larger than the New York version.
0: Yeah, it's. It is the New York version is uh, catching up to it, but it's it's uh, huge. And it's a, uh, it's, it's you know it's it's not even like a. It's hard to even call it a, a convention because it's like so far beyond that now. It's sort of like a. It's like a trade show, really.
2: Wasn't Carolyn Skinner? No, it wasn't. It's. Uh, I must admit, I've seen the YouTube videos and and the the, the young la- the ladies on uh, the far end to the side of uh, uh, Arthur Darville. Um but I'm blanking out on the name it, it also.
1: Said, there's a report that says Carolyn Skinner. So that's
2: right. Well, that's what I thought. Uh, that's what I guess. The name rings a bell. Yes, she was.
1: The uh, moderator she, was Chris Hardwick. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We, panel. I think we spoke about that in a previous episode of, of Dr. Pachuk. And I remember mentioning that she was going to be there. Yeah. We, in the past we had Tara, um, not Tara, but Tara, Tara Wheeler who had been um, our sort of our um, person, our, our man, if you want to call you know, in this case, woman, um in the field or whatever in the street, you know, at Comic-Con giving us some reports and all that. So it's, it's, um,
3: fan in the field
0: fan in the like, field fan in the field um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh thank you john m for that ex, ex um you know detailed report and um we we'll always look here look forward to hearing um your reports from uh conventions obviously we we can't get to them all, so um it's always good to hear your feedback and we'll also um swear too very good two very good audio
1: feedbacks. We yeah, got there.
0: and Blue Box Bill sent a photo which we'll have in the Hans podcast of them um, looking at, them, look at it, of the doctor and uh, looking at, through a telescope, looking at the Nostra Nevada, so <laughs> it's it's funny. You'll have to see that. So, John, if you want to send us your photos of, uh, of you dressed up as cosplay uh, and your wife and all that, that would be great. Alright, so we have some... Uh, some email feedback. I don't know if, um, if um, Dave, are you up to tackling any of this, or if anyone else wants to?
2: okay. Uh, well, unless our guests would like to have a go at it.
6: Well, send me uh, some text.
2: Yeah, they're not. They they don't have the rundown. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, let me have a go at it, and then you can stop me when I mash it up. It's from Ruth Kubiniski. Was that Kubierski? There you go. What? Um, I've just finished episode 50. Oh, oh she, my poor She, she dear. mentions
0: in her email, don't worry about, don't, don't have a hard time pronouncing it. Everyone messes it up. So don't feel bad, Dave.
2: <laughs> well, Dr. Ruth, um, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, episode 50. Dick, t- yes, this- I've got a hell of a way to go to catch up, I know. I've been listening every day for the past few weeks, uh, and I'm loving Podshock. By the way, you guys, banter back and forth. It's like hanging out with some cool new friends. <laughs> I like that you played the promo for the then-upcoming Sci-Fi Sea Cruise for 2006. I've done the cruise four times. Oh, 06 was my first, and I've always, it's always been great fun. I don't know if you guys have been talking all about the next one coming up in 2013. I thought I'd let you know what's going on. It's leaving from Miami on the 19th of October and returning on the 26th, stopping over in Mexico, Belize, Honduras and Grand Cayman. As of this writing in mid-July, so far Ian McNeese, a.k.a. Winston Churchill, has confirmed that he will be with us and quite a few other invites have been made, although it's far too early for most to make any commitments. 2013 is not only the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, it's the 25th anniversary of Sci-Fi Sea Cruise. Yay! Yes, it's 15 months again, but for the last few trips I've had quite a low turnout due to the economy, and the decision was made to put the next one off a year so potential cruisers could save up for it. A balcony cabin for four people is $65 a month per person can't be a month.
1: It's a long time.
2: Wow. (laughs) Excluding airfare, shore tours, etc. From now, July 2012, to the sale date. The 50th anniversary of Doctor Who is coming up. Let's make the best cruise yet. It's www.scificruise.com. You missed the smiley face
1: there, Dave.
2: Ah, (laughs) did indeed. And it's Ruth ki don't worry if you have a hard time pronouncing it everyone messes up in m a u s oh p s don't uh, i don't run the cruise i'm just really excited about it
0: yeah we we've interviewed yes. the the guy that runs it dan Dan Harris i believe his name is um, runs the cruise and we've um interviewed him in the past and uh, um so that's if you haven't because I know she's 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 just up to episode fifty of Doctor Upadjak, so uh, she probably may have not gotten to that episode yet. But that's something to look forward to. We <laughs> it's been a, it was a few years ago we interviewed him, and he's always welcome to come back on the show, and we can talk about the cruise again. I, we were disappointed that yeah the they had to um, postpone or. Um, you know, canceled the other the the last years or this years. I, I can't keep up with the years, but one of, the most recent one because uh, there just wasn't enough people. You know, um, signed
2: up for it. So and see Ruth and see Ruth, My audio did get better.
6: Uh, just may, just a real quick question: Are these the same folks? Now I have to go back and re-listen to the episode where you interviewed them, or look at their website. But is it the same folks who do the Star Trek ones?
0: they may be I think they may be because I think they do the sci-fi sea cruise and um, they do a Doctor Who one they may also do the Star Trek one I'm not sure I don't want to mislead you
6: right okay so I'll look it up but thanks anyway
0: so uh what also ruth had also emailed us again right after that other email and sent us and it's too the youtube um url is too long to really because there's a bunch of letters and numbers and all that um but we'll put it in the um in the hans podcast he she writes in saying the family history of david Tennant really interesting it's in six parts in six, it's in six parts and she includes the link part one the whole thing is about an hour long so uh i haven't seen it yet it's cool. um a documentary i guess
2: about well that, might, that that actually might link back to the who do you think you are you know when we've uh, mentioned the fact that uh, uh, the uh, alex kingston's going to yeah. be on the next uh, mm-hmm. who do you think you are and in actual fact patrick stewart in the latest series so i think it's probably this very strange when i first watched it by the way because of course David Tennant, uh, I'm sure most people will know, uh, he actually speaks when he's speaking as himself with a Scottish accent. <laughs> uh, it, it, and it's rather strange when you first hear it because he, he, he uses a, a more generic English accent uh, when playing the mm-hmm. Doctor.
0: All right. Well, I'm, I'm assuming it's pro- if it's an hour long, it's probably six, you know, six, ten-minute parts. You know, they probably chop it up because YouTube has it the did. time limit. Okay, so um, I, I guess maybe I'll, I'll tackle the next one. Unless, Dave, you want, to ra- you want to read it?
2: No, 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 please go ahead. Okay. This is
0: from Stephen, and he writes, I'm feeling sad about the death of Mary Tam, and aren't we all, uh, but the TARDIS groans during the Olympics opening ceremony referencing Fear Her was a nice touch. Regards from another Olympic city, Melbourne, 1956. Longtime Pachuk listener, a Doctor Who fan, far a uh, Doctor Who fan from episode one, Stephen. P.S. Is there any prospect of a Lewis slash Ken slash James show? Question mark. I know life gets in the way and of these things, but I miss hearing the three of you. Well, I've been actually holding off on this um, until this email. That uh, I just wanted to, to announce that this is actually. Our seventh anniversary, well, um, in about this date or so, we um, released our first episode seven years ago. Uh, we re- I think we recorded it at the end of July, and then it went out like that first week of August, so of 2005, and that was with um, Ken and James and myself. We started this, so um, you know, um, hats off to uh, both Ken and James, who are, are not here. Ken? Ken was actually I had hoped that he was going to be in this episode uh he, um he's at a if you don't know he's involved with Icon which is a science fiction convention here that's an annual um convention that is on here here on Long Island that's in I think they're just celebrated their 30th anniversary of 30 or 20 I can't keep track. I think this
1: past year was the 31st if I
0: it was the 31st that's what i was thinking yeah so it's it has a bit of a history and you know i've been going there for years and all that and ken's now involved with the actual um um you know putting it together and all that so there was a an important meeting tonight and he couldn't join us for that so otherwise um we would have had you know ken here he um, you know, I, his schedule hasn't been conducive to our recordings. Uh, at least I know that from last month, and hopefully he'll be back soon. I know his schedule's um, loosened up a bit, so as I said, I was hoping that he would be here with us tonight. And then James James has unfortunately left. He's, um, I mean, he, I mean, obviously he has. Uh, well, I don't want to say obviously because you may not know, but he's, you know, he has a family now, and but he had decided that he just um, didn't have the time. So he's, you know, he's always welcome to come back. the The, the door is always, you know, um, open for him. So
2: yeah, I, I, I would add that if you're a a, a friend of uh, James on Facebook, all you have to do is look at his profile picture to see he's got very much more important family matters, and got a lovely picture there with his young uh, child.
0: So yeah, hopefully um, it would be great to have to have James, and and hopefully Ken will be. Um, you know, back shortly with us. And, um, but it's so, so yes. And, 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 and again, a, and I feel kind of weird saying it to, from myself, but a happy anniversary to us. Um, now we're entering our eighth year in production.
3: Happy, happy anniversary, Lewis.
0: Well, thank you.
1: Yay, yeah. Yay us. <laughs>
2: Now, if Ken and James have left, is this where me and Ian do the speech? You know, somewhere the tea's getting cold, and, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and we that's go right. off into the <laughs> So, so does that
1: Ian, Ian now does the sexy voice?
3: Oh, is that, is that is that my spot? I thought I was the. I thought I did the Ken Deep stuff.
2: Ian I thought James was speech. the sexy voice. No, 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 no. no. I, I know Ian knows that speech off by heart.
3: <laughs> what the world there are worlds out there where the sky is burning and the seas asleep in the river's dream um what is it cities made of smoke people made of song some of this danger some of this injustice somewhere else the tea's getting cold torn we've got work to do
2: survival well done, <laughs>
3: <laughs> any mistakes I can blame on the whiskey uh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I guess that's gonna uh round out our feedback and it's also gonna round out our show it's But another long show so um i want to thank everyone uh, both um especially you know uh we have our special guests anthony and jessica with us um the two of the three of the editors of the mythological dimensions of Neil Gaiman. Um, and, you know, get your copy. It's on better bookstores and you can, uh, you can find it online and we'll have it in, the, we'll have a link to it um, to Amazon in, in the show notes for this episode. So you can get it there. Or if you're a Patreon supporting subscriber, you have a chance of getting winning your copy, but get one anyway, even if you, you know, are a supporting subscriber. If you get another copy, you have a gift for someone. And, you know, you're still supporting the show and supporting us. So so uh, thank you both. And also, yeah, obviously, you can catch um, Ian and Dave on the Cultum Collective every Sunday at um, at 2 p.m. Eastern time on uh, TalkShoe.com. You can also find their show on iTunes and other places that you find better podcasts.
2: <laughs> well, I, 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 if I may just add that uh, we did a little interview with uh, all three of the uh, fa- fabulous editors of this book uh, on the Cultum Collective. That was our episode that we recorded on the 31st of May 2012. So um, that was the Cultum interviews. I, I love this. TM Dong. Who's <laughs> <Push> Dong?
11: <laughs>
3: Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) my.
6: What's in that wine? Yeah. Uh, Are you blushing, Dave? Yes, he is. (laughs) He he
3: really,
2: yeah. That's exactly the initials of the book. (laughs) (laughs) T-M-D-O-N-G.
6: I can't oh think of my. anyone.
3: I really, I just can't.
11: Thank you very much.
0: Well, thank you. So... <laughs> close close up the show before he says anything. <laughs> all right. Else. So, until next time, cheers, everyone.
4: Goodbye, all.
11: Goodbye. Goodbye.
2: Cheers. Bye. All in the best possible taste.
1: <laughs> Unlimited rice pudding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You have been listening to Dr. Who Podcast, presented to you by the fan run Dr. Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Dr. Who Podcast is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Dr. Who Podcast theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the PodChock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts.
9: So where are we going?
8: Going? I don't know
9: you have absolutely no sense of responsibility whatsoever. What? You're capricious, arrogant, self-opinionated, irrational, and you don't even know where we're going. Exactly. What?
5: Well, if I knew where I was going, there'd be a chance the Black Guardian would, too. Hmm? Oh, Hence goodness. this new device. What is it? Uh, well, it's called a uh, randomizer, and it's fitted to the guidance systems and operates under a very complex scientific principle called potluck. Uh, one knows where we're going not even the black guardian
10: not even us